Welcome to episode 91 of the Grip Strip Podcast. Lest anyone think that Formula One is a legitimate world championship. Well, I'm not going to say legitimate. I'm not going to get into all that. But I will say some stuff about what took place uh, at Abu Dhabi. Uh, we will get into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the end of the um, epic world championship battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis, now Sir, officially Sir Lewis Hamilton, after today. Uh, on this Wednesday when we did record, uh, since Prince Charles actually did knight him. We'll get into uh, the all the stuff that went on during the race with everything happening behind them. Uh, we'll get into points and constructors, drivers and constructors points. We will get into IndyCar and NASCAR news in, the, in a pre-roundup because the next-gen car testing has been going on for the last couple of days at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, some news has come across the wire in all three series, so we'll go over that. And then IndyCar, some big feed. It's not that we're just friends, but then there's like some sort of mind control going on. Because that's like, it seems like that's about the third or fourth move that you've done that, I mean, but it also fits for um, other things. But the fact is all my friends are in the league too. So you're one of my friends. And then the fact is we all kind of know each other and how each other works. I should have picked up George Kittle two weeks. It's my mistake. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, we'll get into the fantasy playoffs since we're both in them. Uh, at least in uh, my league, uh, I got eliminated out of the league I won last year and last week. Uh, with a brutal loss, um, but I still made more moves than anybody else in the league, so I guess they weren't blocking me, so they can all go fuck themselves. And uh, Josh will uh, talk about uh, the sim racing game and whatever uh, what's going on there in regards to iRacing. Maybe we can get into the DWR uh, Thursday night blunder eventually, and then we'll close it. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. My co-host is Josh Refine. What's going on, brother? And doing great, Phil, with Formula One. Uh, it was a very interesting ending to the season, especially that last lap. Some might say it was made for Netflix. Uh, some might say that they've really taken an impression on NASCAR and everything. But uh, at least, you know, it was still it is what it is. Then, of course, the the Jaguars. I mean, not even the fact that they lost or that they're two and eleven. But you know, Urban Meyer calls people uh, losers and then forces them to demand their resumes, and then he goes and kicks uh, the starting kicker in the leg, and then cuts him four weeks in the season because he's missed all his kicks. I mean, just miss your kicks and don't kick him in the leg or whatever and i'll get into it later but yeah maybe you know i lost you in fantasy so i don't know maybe next time instead of you know whatever trash talk i did before i'll just call you a loser and then make you demand your or defend your uh fantasy resume at least we'll see but other than that you know doing good well i can defend my fantasy resume a hell of a lot better than when you trash talked a few weeks ago during the first matchup but it also seemingly worked out we're still in line to be fair to possibly end up having this end up between the two of us in the final. It'll take some effort. We have to get through this week, uh, get through Vic and Wilson. Uh, but we tied on double the double wins deal. We were um, in only a game apart in the regular season anyway. Uh, but we'll get into that later because um, what happened at Abu Dhabi uh, was definitely interesting, convenient. I always like to use the word convenient. Um, and I, in the NASCAR terms that I always came up with uh, that I used when I was on um, Talking in Circles and other 
podcasts and other entities, uh, consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement. Uh, Michael Massey over the past couple of weeks has basically become a clown um, who sits there and is the chief, I guess, whatever, a, the race director, but he doesn't look like he's race directing. It sounds like he's directing a crappy movie. Um, and the fact of the matter is that call, that decision to, uh, at the end of the race, I mean, let's, let's be clear here. Max Verstappen qualified on pole, um, after Lewis and Max basically been trading fast times all weekend. Uh, Max ends up getting the pole, uh, but shit beds a start. Uh, Lewis ends up getting the lead, pulling away, and they leave Sergio Perez out on track to, or they have, what is it? They have Sergio. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top if they had Max come in first and then Lewis came in to cover it off. I, that's what they did. Yeah, that's um, what they did. Yeah. And because Max Sergio Perez, top. the, yeah, sorry, but yeah, Sergio Perez, the Minister of Defense for Mexico, at least. Yep, that's he's he's like the purple people eaters. He's like the steel curtain. I don't know every every reference, every great NFL defense. Sergio Perez literally parked his car like Val, what was it, Vitaly Petrov did years ago to um, Fernando Alonso. Uh, but in this case, this was for the lead of the race and for the world championship too and that i mean it was for the world championship for fernando alonso he lost it behind petrov in this case that was one of the many things that had to happen for red bull after max shitbed the start uh but even then lewis was able to get ahead get past and go ahead and and build a gap but then there was a vsc situation for antonio giovinazzi uh having a I guess so, any, whatever power unit or transmission deal. And then uh, the crash that uh, Nicholas Latifi had because he was actually trying to overtake someone, which for him doesn't happen very often. Uh, Mick Schumacher raced him pretty hard. I mean, we were joking around about it on the Grid Talk podcast that over the last two weeks, Mick Schumacher incidents that have involved Mick Schumacher have manipulated, may have manipulated the race and, in a negative way for Lewis Hamilton. Um, but in this case, Lewis Hamilton had five cars ahead of Max Verstappen. He was five cars ahead of Max Verstappen with the lap cars. They didn't have to let the lap cars go. They And and also, you can get into the pitch strategy and, and, and all that. Whatever the case, they let Michael Massey, whoever decides to let all the lap cars go, with maybe about a quarter of a lap before a restart, which was going to be a one-lap shootout. Max Verstappen had pitted, I don't know how many times, and he was on soft tires, fresh, warm, soft tires, while Lewis was on the tires he had been on since lap 14. And within five corners, Max drove him off into the into the woods um, of the new runoff there, and that was it. Uh, world Championship, 22 races, decided by a basically a green white uh, a green white checkered uh, situation akin to Baku where of course Lewis also you know shitbagged the start there and gave away what would have been the points that would have won him the world championship um in in hindsight amongst other places but in the end Max Verstappen and Red Bull uh win the world drivers championship one of the youngest world champions ever uh, for many months, I've uh, been on here and grid talk, whatever. They've been the better car. 
they definitely weren't the better car or the better driver over the last month or two, but they had accumulated enough points and with Max's questionable driving standards, uh, put himself in a position where he was ahead for most of the season. Uh, Lewis had to battle back and proved why he is uh, a knight. He's been knighted. He's one of the greatest race car drivers ever, one of the greatest Formula One drivers ever, over 100 Formula One wins. And seven world championships should be eight, but uh, it's seven for now. Um, I feel like this result and the way things happen will um, definitely motivate him because he's had this situation in a sense twice in 2007 when they he lost the world championship by a point to Kimi Raikkonen because of the infighting at McLaren between himself and Fernando Alonso. He came back the next year. I mean, people want to get into whatever. He won that world championship. In 2016, bullshit that happened with Nico Rosberg, whatever Mercedes wanted to do, little bitch won that world championship. He, Lewis Hamilton, won four straight world championships. And then you have this where... He did whatever, everything he had to do, but between Mercedes strategy, the, all the crap that happened around him, Red Bull having two on one because Valtteri Bottas did his usual, um, disappearing act and Lewis Hamilton, uh, Josh is, uh, standing there and he handled defeat gracefully. Um, is so his dad also was very gracious to, um, known douchebag and loser, um, Yas Verstappen, who also, I mean, for, I mean, as, as much of an asshole as his son is, um, Yas is like a hundred times worse. And then that doesn't take into account Karen Horner, you know, um, one, one-eyed Marco and all the other pieces of crap that is Red Bull racing. Um, Total Wolf didn't help himself the way he was coming off on the radio. Um, and it, I kind of think that the transparency of what they're to, when they're talking on that radio, the FIA is not necessary. I don't want to hear that next year. I don't think it's, it's worthwhile. Doesn't add anything to the context. If you want it for drive to survive, maybe, but not for this. Um, in the grand scheme of things, that was really it. That was a race in a nutshell on my end, at least. But what were your thoughts, uh, Josh, in regards to all that transpired um, on Sunday and during the weekend itself between these two title protagonists? After all these races, all these months, it literally, as you said earlier, became like some sort of NASCAR uh, clown show um, bullshit that they would do at like Texas Motor Speedway for the all-star race. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, we definitely don't like Texas Motor Speedway there, but with the way that this race played out, I mean, initially the start, uh, Max, like you said, had a bad start and then uh, that allowed Lewis to take the corner or, you know, take the first corner in first and then um, you know, Max tried to, uh, go for it again and go for the lead. Um, but then Lewis, of course, uh, kind of ran off into the paved runoff area there. And there was discussion about whether that was worthy of a penalty. If, uh, Lewis should have been penalized. Yeah, that, was, Max, that was the yeah. one thing I forgot in turn six, Max didn't, um, bother to turn the car, which is his usual MO. Um, Lewis, in turn said, well, if I turned into him, I'm going to damage my car. So he went off in the runoff. And then that was where the Karen Horner whining and all that started. But they, I mean, whether we can, it's conjecture whether he gave up the time or not, but Lewis ended up putting in many fast times to pull away. So yeah. even if he had given up the time, there wasn't going to be DRS by the time um, Max 
you know, but because of Lewis's pace advantage. Yeah, exactly there. I mean, even even with all of that, like if Lewis had given back the position or whatever, he would have passed him anyways. Um, and again, uh, a few laps later, he had the pace to do it and built up that big lead initially uh, until the first pit stop. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people were talking about like on Twitter, not only the penalty itself, whether he should have been penalized, where Max should have been penalized, but talking about the uh, runoff there, um, it's the question of whether it should be paved or they should have gravel trap or something there, you know, or something that would deter you from going to go there. And maybe that would solve the issue, I guess, uh, in a way, you know, whether or not, like, cause obviously I think maybe you have more respect for the track limits, uh, if you're passing or if you're the one, um, not, or the one being passed, uh, cause then it would force both of the guys to, uh, really make more careful decisions, more calculated decisions on, uh, when they attempt to pass. And I mean, for the record, or at least, or, you know, I guess in Max's defense, I mean, he did actually make the corner, but of course, if uh, Lewis didn't make the decision to uh, go into the paved runoff, he wasn't going to make the corner and then they would have collided and that would have been the end of the title there and Max would have won. So Lewis basically did what he had to do there to uh, keep his title chances alive and again, pace advantage. Uh, Then of course, Max uh, lost a lot of pace and then ended up uh, pitting anyways and try to gain some of it back. And then of course, minister of defense, uh, Sergio Perez uh, basically held up Lewis there and did what he had to do. I mean, I'm sure Lewis would have understood the situation and then that allowed Max to close to about a second, but then Max didn't really um, have still have the pace that Lewis had. And he was basically only able to get within about a second and then Max or Lewis drove away again. And then from there it was basically just Lewis building as much of a lead as he could uh, to you know, have an advantage over uh, Max. And then um, I think, yeah, Max made another pit stop uh, and that put him behind, but he was gaining a little bit and he got into about 11 seconds and looked like it was going to be Lewis's race still. And then and Lewis was beginning to uh, get into lap traffic with about 10 laps to go in that race. And it looked like it was going to be Lewis's title. And then of course, Nick Latifi gets into it with Mick Schumacher and then he crashes and then basically resets everything. And I wasn't sure if they were going to restart the race or not with at least two laps to go. But I mean, I guess given everything that went on uh, with that, you know, at some point you had to think that uh, they should have pitted that Mercedes should have pitted uh, Lewis Hamilton there and at least protected the track position. But then again, you know, if they pit, and Lewis or Max doesn't, you know, they do the opposite. Uh, Cause I think the opposite happens you know, Lewis doesn't pit Max says, okay, let's go get tires and, and leave uh, Lewis out of the track as a sitting duck. Well, if Lewis pits. Then uh, of course, uh, Horner is probably going to say, Oh, don't pit, stay out, take the lead. Uh, but although uh, there is the tire difference being on soft tires to end the race with one or two laps to go versus uh, hard worn tires that you've had for at, you know, at least uh, 15 laps or, or, or so. Um, and I think, you know, the, it would have, um, just been the opposite of uh, decision-making there. But uh, I think the issue is like with the way that this ended is uh, the lap cars being able to unlap themselves and pass the pace car uh, with you know one lap to go. Cause if they had done that, then the race, like according to the rules should have ended uh, on the final lap without going back to green, but then they went ahead and called them back around the pace car. And then they said they were going green anyways. And then that basically turned that into a one lap shoot out there. And of course, tire advantage going to max. And then he was able to pass Lewis Hamilton and the rest is history. Uh, so it's very controversial the way it, it played out because of that. Uh, it, 
I mean, even regardless of, you know, where you stand as a fan, I think everyone would agree, like, that was uh, really bad by the FIA, by Michael Massey to make that kind of decision. It does bring into question why they uh, have that procedure in place in the first place. Um, but at the same time, that is the procedure. And they're, they're the ones making the decisions and they should actually follow their own procedure instead of kind of, you know, throwing it out the window. I mean, it was kind of funny saying Toto, uh, complain about it. And then Massey was like, this is a motor race <laughs> and everything, but still, it, you know, the arbitrary decision-making there uh, shouldn't happen and they should still uh, want to have uh, some, some type of credibility there. So a lot of that playing out, of course, I mean, now we have Max as the champion and Lewis finishing in second. I mean, you can still see Lewis, you know, still pissed about it, but he was gave about as classy a response that he could give. And then of course, uh, the uh, penalty or not the penalty, but the, the stewards, they were protested by uh, Total Wolf and Mercedes and they filed two protests, both of them being declined uh, and everything. And, and now uh, Max is officially the champion. So I guess life goes on. We'll go into 2022 with the new regulations, the new formula. We'll see if uh, Max were stopping and, and Red Bull can defend their title. They're going to have the same kind of pace or if this lights up another fire into Lewis feeling like, He's got to uh, go win a championship that was denied from him. That was basically, you know, ripped out of his hands on the final lap. Uh, and if, if he goes out and goes on a tear next year in 2022. So we'll see if that actually does happen. Well, you can go and I just thought about this, the way that 2008 happened and he was a couple corners away from losing the championship to a, what is it? Felipe Massa, I guess you could say it, like turnabouts, fair play. Um, I don't think it really I don't know about how fair it was, uh, how sporting it was. I do agree, though, what you said, Josh, in regards to the strat. Um, one of those times, whether it was a Giovinazzi situation uh, or the the situation where Latifi wrecked and they were running around for I don't know how many laps. I mean, the 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 worst case scenario would have been, OK, they don't bother to get back to racing. And I don't know if they were under the impression that they weren't going to get back under green uh but you know i i mentioned it you know the tom downey uh who was one of the other hosts uh co-hosts on the show or panelists on the show with myself and george uh on the grid talk podcast who was the host um we talked about it we discussed the possibility of a red flag which would have neutralized the race anyway they would have had like four laps to go but they would have both had fresh tires you know and then it would have basically been a reset but then the he brought up well there's more room you're able to get the car off all but it took them four laps to do it uh, i think about that and it's like well they had no problem doing the red flag in saudi arabia when everybody half the field had pitted and you're manipulating the race anyway it's the same way here um we can get into certain things i mean michael massey over the last couple of races is if he's still the race director i don't know how any of them respect him uh they better not play the they better not play the radio uh conversations all these people do um and then it's like all the nascar people talking about how how it ended and what took place and it's like you have no business talking about yourselves or how things are like these idiots on the tv idiots it's like you're part of it you're you're part of this farce anyway i mean formula one or whoever like the tv 
I don't think Sky wanted it to end that way. I mean, of course, they'll say, oh, British bias, but there are people on there that don't care for Lewis. And you know, and people, and you know it, and like, Matt, what do you call Nico or whatever, but it's it's just it's just pretty horrible, uh, personally. And it it's you could say it's salt uh on my end after what Lewis had done to get back into this world championship. And I put thrown dirt on it. I I'm guilty of it. I said it at least a couple of times this year that he were they were done. And what I forgot about is how much heart and determination Lewis has and how he has basically pushed Mercedes uh, to be this great team. And that's what did it. I mean, if it, their strategy has always been mediocre to me. Uh, they, they've they been able to ride through that. Like their pit stops have never been the greatest. They've been able to ride the fact that they have one of the greatest drivers of all time to get through all these mistakes and all these errors. They finally got unlucky. They finally hit hit the wall there, a proverbial wall, and Red Bull had two cars against one. They'd, I mean, hell, Red Bull decides to go and, and start and park Sergio Perez out of a freaking podium because they were trying to figure out how to go and get him ahead, get Max one more spot because they figured they were screwed. So it seems so arbitrary. If you're going to go and say, oh, we're going to go and send everybody around, and then and if you put that out there, that this is what the call is going to be, then Lewis goes and pits probably. Max takes the lead on older tires. Then he was on a different set of tires anyway. He had came in during the VSC to pit for mediums, and uh, Lewis stayed out. He would have had older tires. It wouldn't be as old as four, lap 14 to lap 58 uh, tires as Lewis had. Um, I just don't know. I don't, it doesn't, it rubs, it rubs me the wrong way in the sense that Max Verstappen's a douche. He, I mean, he's he's a tool just like Kyle Busch or some of them, you know, Larson, whatever. They're really good driver. I mean, this is my thing. It's like he does have talent. But when you see him try to overtake people, or at least Lewis Hamilton, he makes very little effort to actually make the corner. He consistently seems to miss apexes and just go straight. Uh, to me, that's racecraft and and intelligence and uh, maturity. I'm sure we could go back in Lewis's time and you you know Senna Pro Senna or some of these other people that you know Gilles Villeneuve, people who are considered those like great iconic names uh even other guys people talk about like nigel mansell or whoever and you can say oh well yeah they had their moments like that too but it's more habitual in the sense of max verstappen and his lack of you know wherewithal and um lack of remorse is 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 disturbing to me um frankly and the fact that he's basically given carte blanche because he's he's treated like this this like this prince, crown prince by his stupid team, a uh, band of ball lickers that he works for. I mean, he's just going to drive through somebody until he makes an airplane crash happen. Like, that's what he is. And frankly, that's that's his choice. And FIA doesn't want to go and do anything about it. That's their choice. Um, he is a world champion. And they did a better job this year with the regulations. They did a better job with their car. And the engine Honda this time on their 85th time coming in and leaving, uh, whatever, some sort of motorsport there, they leave on the top. 
at least on the driver's side, they weren't going to win the constructors. Um, and they didn't, but they gave away points. And I find that convenient that, you know, you have to pay per point. Every single point you you make, you have to pay per point for construct to go and pay for next year's entry fee into the Formula One World Championship. And they conveniently parked Sergio Perez there with three laps to go or whatever it is and said he had some sort of, I, what have I right here? I'm going on racing reference. What do they say that he had oil pressure? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a Roger Carter start and park excuse if I've ever seen one since Roger Carter and some other person are going and trying to come back and taking destroyed Mike Mittler trucks and trying to go and run the truck series. So that's convenient. Um, it's, it's whatever. I, I'm not going to be, I, I, I've, I've, I tried to be gracious and I think I was pretty gracious on the grid talk podcast and it just frustrating, you know, to, to watch that. Uh, but I, what I do feel and the one thing that's gotten me through is the notion that Lewis has fought through twice before. And when the, something like this has happened and came back stronger. And I think Mercedes is going to have to be stronger. Number one, number two, George Russell is a way bigger, better fighter and way more aggressive and has way more heart um, and wants to win. Uh, that's something that Valtteri Bottas, you know, God bless his soul, he, he, whatever, he's going to drive around an Alfa Romeo in 15th and he'll still get beat. I mean, now instead of getting beat by the likes of Sergio Perez or McLaren driver or whatever, he's going to be battling the Haas cars. So, I mean, if he wants to get beat by Egghead, who didn't even make the race, they had to withdraw him because he got COVID. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say what I just thought in regards to Egghead and COVID, but um, it's, uh, you know, he, he was a big problem. I mean, Mercedes and their terrible strategy was one piece, but... Valtteri Bottas basically disappearing during most races this year was a fundamental issue for why Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are not drivers world champions. Um, he's not the, I mean, I'm not blaming Valtteri Bottas at the end of the day. There's a reason why Valtteri Bottas is being replaced by George Russell. And yeah, the race on Sunday was a prime example of that. If he was up there, at least he could take Sergio Perez out of the way. Maybe they'd get into an interplay and go, whatever. We're not sitting here in the spot, at least uh, being on the wrong side of that deal. Max Verstappen wins by 2.25 seconds over Lewis Hamilton. The smooth operator, Carlos Sainz, uh, finished third. The Alpha Tories of Yuki Sonoda getting his best career finish in fourth, and Pierre Gasly finished, or fourth, and then Pierre Gasly finished fifth. Uh, so that was a great job by that team. A couple of races too late after the Alpine team basically fucked them in the ass. Um, Botas sixth, Lando Norris seventh, Alonzo, Ocon, and Charlie Claire round out the top 10. There are only 14 finishers in the race. Vettel is the last car on the lead lap. Ricardo had a nightmare. Um, Stroll, I think, had issues during the race. Uh, the, the Aston Martins just had a, a kind of nightmarish night. Uh, Mick Schumacher was the last finisher after um, running hard with Latifi. Perez, as I said, start and park. Latifi had the crash. Giovinazzi had a, a hydraulic issue. George Russell, gearbox issue. And Kimi Raikkonen in his last Grand Prix. What ends up with it being 349th Grand Prix, they said, or some shit like that. Yeah, um, I think it was, yeah, 349. 
Yeah, he ends up having brake failure and has to retire from his last race. Uh, the standings, Max Verstappen wins the World Championship by eight points. Had a worse average finish, but had a better, he had won 10 poles, he had one more podium, and he had two more wins. 10 wins, 18 podiums, and 10 poles versus Lewis Hamilton's eight wins and 17 podiums and five poles. Um, led 652 laps, Max Verstappen, this year. Um, Lewis led 297. Botas was third in the lap-led category, and then the fourth person was uh, Esteban Ocon. Fifth was Charles Eclair. Valtteri Botas finished third in the World Championship. Uh, Perez fourth. Carlos Sainz with his third place. Finished, got to fifth by four and a half points over his friend uh, Lando Norris, who at times this year was third in the world championship. So rough end of the year for McLaren. Leclerc ends up seventh, Ricardo eighth. So that'll be interesting. We'll get into that in a moment. Gasly ninth and Fernando Alonso tenth. So uh, yeah, and there was, was a four or five. Four five guys there that one race is six guys won a race this year. Ocon finished eleventh in the world championship. And uh yeah, so in regards to I guess the constructor standings, let me bring that up. Uh verdict on title. Go ahead and get your verdict. Fucking bullshit. Um Mercedes wins the constructors championship by what is it 28 points over red bull ferrari finishes third uh, with 323 and a half points mclaren fourth alpine fifth by 13 points over alpha tori aston martin williams alfa romeo and haas are round out the constructors standings so i mean carlos Sainz had a great run there josh um one of the better performances but i think it's also proven what he has assimilated into Ferrari better than most drivers have in recent years. And his combination with Charles Leclerc, it seems like they are a good balance in their driving styles, kind of differentiating in driving styles and personalities. And it seems to be working because Ferrari all of a sudden has taken this big step forward. And in when you consider the new regulations, it could possibly help them uh, move back into that elite category that they expect to be at uh the battle between them and mclaren became very fry one-sided and he gets another podium this year i mean that that first formula one win might be on the cards for him next year and also i would think lando norris uh, if you look at his form uh prior to or at, prior to uh i guess after the italian grand before the uh what is his it? spa the crash Dutch grand prix yeah i mean even the spa crash mentioned that too but definitely some guys and a lot of young players and then you add george russell going to mercedes you add alex albon coming back to go to uh, williams so all the super best friends will be on the grid again a lot to look at here in the future but also with what took place uh, over this entire season for some of the drivers that were out there behind of course the big battle yeah of course uh, especially you know with carlos signs like i think we all kind of were just paying attention to max versus lewis for the most part then out kind of out of nowhere uh, carlos signs uh goes out and gets third gets uh, the podium there so uh good note to end for ferrari uh for that uh team and i think when you look at signs you look at 
uh, what Charles Leclerc is able to do, uh, especially what he could have done at uh, Monaco earlier this year. They could have easily won that race, uh, given the way that that race usually plays out. Uh, of course, if he didn't crash uh, uh, in the formation lap and didn't have issues with qualifying, but uh, I think that they they both work together very well. And think next year with uh, with the way that the regulations are going to work out. Yeah, I think definitely could see uh, Ferrari. Possibly, maybe they'll challenge Red Bull uh, for uh, second in the, the points. We'll see for the, the constructors' title. We'll see if it happens. Um, they, I think, for both of those drivers, could easily see one of them winning uh, next year, and think uh, should be an interesting uh, story to follow as we go into next year, which is you know, only in March uh, and by rain. So uh, we'll see what happens for that. Yuki Sonoda quietly getting fourth. Uh, their best finish of his career uh, so far on Formula One. Teammate Pierre Gasly continuing to get solid finishes for Alvatore as well. I mean, talking about uh, Valtteri Bottas, even though for all the issues that he had with uh, Mercedes in the races, we'll say at least in qualifying, he was able to make uh, Q3 for every race that he was in with uh, Mercedes. So at least he, he can rest on being a, a good qualifier in Formula One and maybe he'll bring that trait with him uh to Alpha or not Alpha Tori, but to Alpha Romeo next season and at least uh start possibly in the top 10. Uh maybe a few times in the car is at least capable of that. There's a few times where Jim and Natsi and Raikkonen were able to make Q3 uh this season. Uh so we can at least see uh Valtteri Botas achieve that next year. And then Alonso Ocon, they Definitely finished uh, eight and nine. They got El Plan, as the joke was, on the back of their rear wing on Sunday. Uh, Lando Norris, seventh, uh, solid into the season. Uh, I mean, started third, thought maybe he would have been a little bit more of a factor in that race, but ultimately, uh, ultimately he wasn't. And then, of course, Charles Leclerc finishing 10th. Um, it was quietly there. I mean, it was all mostly focused on uh, Max and Lewis for the most part, I think. You know, like I said, most people are looking at that. And then Reynolds is kind of just an also ran uh, a little bit surprised with Dan Ricardo finishing lap down, but that's kind of how his season has gone uh, this year. And I think that's going to be an interesting part of next year is if they can kind of close the uh, gap between him and Lando Norris, even though he was, was the one to win uh, overall, he didn't have uh, good results uh, between the two teammates. And um, I think uh, with uh, the way it's played out, um, maybe next year they'll have a bit better handle on the car with new re uh, regulations. I think um, we'll see if they're able to improve upon their results. They can finish closer together and maybe challenge Ferrari uh, next year and fight for third on the, the uh, constructor's title. We'll see. Then uh, Schumacher, Stroll, all the also Rance Perez, like said, he shouldn't have been um, retired at the end of the race, but ended up being so. Uh, Ultimately, I mean, besides the championship battle, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot that went on this race. I think, I mean, it was mostly just uh, the race was run for the sake of deciding who was in the title or who was going to win the title. So um, solid race overall, I guess, uh, with the entertainment factor and everything. But of course, uh, nonetheless, there was a lot of controversy in it. And we'll just have to deal with the ramifications for that uh, next year and uh, move on with it. Yeah. And that's. I'll, uh, I mean, I, there was one other aspect. They made changes to the track. Uh, there were, um, I think they adjusted three, the, 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 instead of a couple of chicanes, there was a banked corner, which is becoming a new Vogue thing for formula one. 
coming off of the site, the DR first DRS zone where they got rid of uh chicane or no, they, they turn five became they, because they got rid of a bunch of turns turn five was a, like a chicane complex, a little stupid complex that became a hard uh, breaking into a hairpin where the title was decided. And um, then turn six is was it's still kind of the same, but they reprofiled it where the first lap ins- incident between Lewis and Max took place. And then I guess seven and turn eight is the banked corner, which used to be a little Mickey Mouse complex. Uh, they opened up the back section by the hotel. Uh, I mean, the track is faster. I'll say that. I don't know. What did you think of those changes, Josh, in regards to what, because Abu Dhabi has never really been considered a great racetrack. To be fair, it's only, I would say, an okay racetrack now. I think they could do more for all the money that they have. They could probably make the track a lot better if they really wanted to, but will they? Who knows? They're not going to have a battle or a situation like they had this year um, again, I don't think for a long time. Uh, kind of wishing they were at Brazil or something because then maybe Lewis would have had a chance. But um, I think the track was improved relative to what it's been for 10, 12 plus years being on the calendar. Uh, but what did you think? I mean, I think the track has definitely improved uh, from years past, getting rid of uh, a lot of these chicanes and everything uh, that they had, uh, especially Especially with uh, the way it was last year, a lot of a lot of uh, turns, uh, uh, short corners that they had. But you know, this year with the change, uh, you know, going turn one, uh, going from uh, turn two, turn three to turn four, and then the back to turn five. Uh, I think that was a solid change there uh, from the past. Instead of having that uh, small chicane, I guess before w- what is turn five now, and then. Uh, it's kind of a, at least a good design, the speed trap, you know, you have a long, um, corner or long straight before you get to turn six and then seven, uh, there, and then you have a long, uh, straight, uh, where you have DRS and then, um, allows you, uh, to get a good run on the backstretch, uh, there, I guess, call it a backstretch, um, you know, we saw it there with, especially with uh, Sergio Perez and Lewis, uh, the battle that they had for a couple of laps and, uh, you could kind of see if, when they want to pass, I guess, uh, you know, you could definitely make a move on the outside or hold your line on the outside, uh, going into turn nine and, uh, you know, defend your position there quite well, actually. And it could make for good racing, but, uh, I feel like, you know, we'll have to have another championship battle kind of like this to really be able to see, uh, what this tracks racing can produce. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, it was Lewis out in front for the most part dominating the race. And I think, you would just have to have a little bit more equal cars and not have to depend on blocking strategy or teammate uh, strategy or anything like that to, um, you know, figure out uh, how to have good racing at this racetrack. Yeah. And that's something that we will kind of see next year, Uh, 23 races in the world championship, and they'll end up back there. And if, whether we have a title battle anywhere near this or not, uh, they will end it there instead of a track that actually is decent. Um, looking at some of the news um, that is on the Formula One website, retired uh, number 24, Alex Aldon, number 23, first stop in Totus, and Hamilton did the same too, of course, So, 
in the end, uh, Max Verstappen will be running the number one next year uh, on his car at uh, in Red Bull for being the world champion. And uh, in gracious and defeat were all the Mercedes people. Yeah, that's, well, that's kind of by design. You'd figure that. And the young driver test that took place and with some of the other people that are moving around, you know, George Russell gets the test for Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas for Alfa Romeo, along with his new teammate Guan Yu Zhou out of the F2 ranks, uh, out of the Alpine Driver Academy, and now he's going to be driving for Alfa Romeo, so there'll be a new driver combination there at that team, the Sauber team, in regards to the testing on uh, the first day, Nick DeVries, the Formula E world champion, uh, was the fastest and uh, one and a half seconds faster than uh, Liam Lawson, who was in the Alpha Tori, and Oscar Piastri, the world F Formula 2 champion for Alpine. And then in the middle of three doors, last of those Pato Award uh, driving for McLaren. And uh, as part of a deal for him winning his uh, first IndyCar race this year with uh, Zach Brown, Guan Yu Zhou uh, for Alpha, Yuri Vips in the Red Bull, but he had an incident. Uh, Nick Yellowly, whatever, whatever the hell he is. And uh, then there's 2022 um, test mule cars with 18 inch tires was Ricardo Stroll and um, there was Logan Sargent who was on who's making his debut for Williams on the same a few days after they uh, announced that he will be running in Formula Two next year uh, as part of being in the Williams driver development ladder so that's great news for a guy that I mean, this time last year, he just lost the Formula 3 World Championship. You would have thought that that would have meant that even though he lost a championship, he would have been able to go to Formula 2. Not only was he not able to, while most of the people he raced with did, um, he went to a worse team in Formula 3, but ended up winning a couple of races there with Chirous and uh, played that role. Almost was going to be in the AJ Foyt 14 car, and they were about to make that deal, and then Williams came and swept in to pick him up, which in turn allowed Kyle Kirkwood to um, not be jobless, uh, considering he dominated in D-Lights, and we're going to get into that in a few moments' time in our um, NASCAR IndyCar roundup uh, with the guy that he uh, was able to um, – that battled the whole way in Indy Lights. Uh, he had a problem uh, with the – it looks like a power unit issue for Logan Sargent. Schwartzman, Antonio Fuco, Russian was 10th, Jasper and Charles Leclerc. I don't get how Schwartzman is, well, whatever, he's got to be mobile. Permission for Italian, Max for stopping, who was testing the 2022 tires. And then Schwartzman testing for Haas. Somehow or another, the end of the year. When they were literally the only car, I think, on the regular on the current tires, um, twenty twenty one, another testing eighteen inch rally tires, and he was able to be half a second faster than Lando Norris, um, George Russell, Guan Yu Zhou, uh, or George Russell, 
then um, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, Pietro Fittipaldi filled in for Egghead because of the COVID uh, diagnosis. So that was cool to see for Pietro. His brother Enzo, of course, still recovering from the injuries he suffered at Saudi Arabia, but he sounds like he'll be okay. So, I mean, they're getting ready, testing for uh, next year with the 18-inch tires. There's stuff with a little bit of movement, uh, some of the some of the numbers that we're going to see next year, different numbers. I mean, Alex Albon will be 23, but Guan Yu Zhou will be number 24, um, which we haven't seen since the new number format. Max Verstappen being the first uh, world champion since, um, since Vettel to run the number one. Uh, Lewis has only ran the number one course after his championship in 2008 he uh, ran it in 2009 but that was a different format otherwise since he won all his world championships at mercedes he's kept his you know a career number of 44 it'll be interesting to see that uh let's get into the um nascar side and um and indy cars as well uh, with the uh, next gen testing for the cup series gonna go and bring up the jayski uh, colleague also oh, a pilot uh, so they got all this stuff over here flame bar see the record uh, uh-huh, 40 million oh red i am tired it's freaking brutal um different news there they don't they didn't I guess put out any testing uh, times or results in regards to what's been going on uh, this week. There's a total of one, two, 19 cars uh, shared amongst, I guess, uh, 22 drivers that are testing uh, this weekend or this last couple of days. Uh, the um, for the new for the next gen testing, they keep on adjusting the horsepower and spoiler there uh, to go and kind of figure out what they have i think tyler reddick had a wreck coming onto pit road hitting the sand uh, barriers there on the entrance of pit road there kyle bush had a close call in testing um, a couple other things but then it looked pretty clean it'll draft a little bit they sound good um they definitely sound good that's one thing they look good now how they will race on a weekly basis is something to be determined but they've hit a couple of metrics that they needed to get to since the gen 6 hadn't met them and even the gen 5 um in terms of the sound and the appearance of the cars josh um i'm just going to go through some of the other news items uh we have what is it brandon lines whoever he is um jtg doherty yeah because uh sign lines who spotted for ryan priest so basically it's a swap Tab Boyd went over to uh, O Richard and um, O Richard and uh, who's old spotter and then lines at J T G Doherty moves over to um, Will Byron who says well I'm not even going to make the reference to Liberty University but um, and cuckolding but um, he'll be the spotter Harmon and Baccarella penalized for some sort of an L two penalty. It sounds like it was a penalty. 
Yeah, I think it was some sort of charity thing, but then it's Mike Harmon, so what do you expect? Um, the number 31, I guess 31 looks good. Yeah, like so there will be a new number through colleague. It's an old, I guess it's been part of RCR for a while. Everybody thinks about the 31. Think about RCR and uh, Dakar, whether it was Neil Bonnet first or, you know, Skinner. Uh, Robbie Gordon, et cetera, et cetera. Jeff Burton, uh, Nonek. Uh, there is there. So now the 31. So it'll be the 16 and the 31 for college racing next year. The 31 will be the full time car with Justin Haley. And the uh, 16 will have AJ Allmendinger, defending Xfinity champion and new teammate, uh, uh, Daniel Hemrick, who I'm wearing his first, first race shirt. Um, autographed and his cup first cup race shirt and um, Noah Gregson and then Gagson uh, who probably brings some sort of you know inbred Rittenhouse sponsorship or whatever to justify that um, but whatever it is uh, they'll share that car uh, hopefully for Hemrick's case um, he does well enough between the Xfinity ride and his limited cup races to go and get that second seat instead of Gagson. Um, we'll see right here. There's other announcements in regards to uh, Rockingham and uh, World or whatever Gateway doing renovations and stuff. So that's positive, especially for for Gateway, where they're going to be hosting a cup race next year. Uh, that's uh, cool to see. Um, Dave Mason Massey uh, is going to be taking over for Josh Williams, basically at DGM Racing, running the majority of the races in what sounds like the number ninety-one. Which um, I'm thinking about Mario Goslin. I'm trying to remember what numbers he ran over his time. It seems like a number he ran. Raja Karuth, who's going to be running for the Alpha Prime team next year, along with the um, Rev Racing team in ARCA won the Wendell Scott Trailblazer Award. Equity Prime Mortgage uh, joining Jesse Awuji Motorsport, which I don't know. That sounds like it sounds like focus factor for for whatever petty GMS. Um, Landing Castle, that's a big piece of news uh, that he's going to be joining Colligan in that third car. So it'll be um, Almondinger. Hamrick and uh, Landing Castle basically getting the best ride he's had in, I don't know, in 13 years or whatever. I don't know. I think the junior motorsports ride might have been the best ride he ever had. And now he's back in really competitive equipment with a crypto company sponsoring him. Uh, last week, of course, Josh Williams, BJ McLeod Motorsports. Uh, Haley Deegan. Oh, they announced it today. A resign. Well, that's not shocking to anybody considering NASCAR's whoring her out on their social media, Ford's yeah, whoring Ford. her out. And then that's, you know, she was nondescript this year in the truck series. I mean, she's fucking um, Nick Sanchez these days, I think. Um, no, it's some guy named, I forgot his name, is Chase. Uh, oh, Chase Cabri, or yeah, Cabri, whatever. Right? You know, he's, yeah, Cabri, who's in um, K&N. East or whatever. I think um, he's just her video guy or whatever now. I don't think he's racing anything now, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah, they're fucking. Um, and then uh, um the onion, Todd Bodine is gonna be running uh a second Halmar Friesen truck. 
uh, with Camping World sponsorship, but is it Vegas, Darlington, Texas, Snoroma, Nashville, and his last race will be at Pocono. So that'll be something. Um, but is it the shows? Uh, Lucas Oil Raceway will be IRP. They're going to actually call it IRP with Lucas Oil in there. So a lot of um, lot of different points there. Anything that stood out to you in regards to the news of the last week, Josh, um, for the NASCAR side. I mean, I think the next gen testing and what we're seeing there with the cars, I you're testing them in really cold temperatures. How, what are we, I guess at the end of the year, we might see some of this stuff kind of translate need to be in warmer temperatures since the majority of the season will be in warmer temperatures, but they're getting this data, getting this time is a good thing. Um, I'm just kind of curious what you're looking at in regards to next gen testing and some of the other stuff that's gone on, some of the other announcements that have taken place over this last week. I mean, starting off with the next gen testing, I mean, I think it is important, you know, gathering data, seeing what the cars look like, especially today, they did a, a mock pack race test, a restart test today. And I actually didn't see um, video of it beyond the takeoff uh, part of it. Uh, I have to go back and look at it, but uh, what is the cars? What do they look like when they run side by side at some of these mile and a half tracks? I mean, we've seen what they look like uh, sort of uh, at the super speedway. There's uh, been some clips of a small six car pack uh, that they, they had um, at Daytona back in September, or August. And we saw kind of what it looked like there, but uh, not really a, a good sample size. And now uh, today, They've uh, gotten to a pack again, and uh, we'll see if they can actually close up on each other. They can, um, if you know, in the straightaways, they can draft behind each other, but in the corners, they can use the draft and actually uh, either stay behind the car and not lose traction, or you know, they can make a slingshot type of move and actually. Um, pass each other in the corners and then the other car behind can, you know, go behind and uh, repass them or something, or it's going to end up being looking like something like uh, IRL you know, back in the mid two thousands or something like that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I, I do agree with you though. They should test in warmer months. That's kind of been my criticism overall uh, with, with uh, the, the, implementation of testing for this car uh they really you know they didn't really do a whole lot of uh testing and i think maybe some of it's because of the covid stuff but at the same time um i mean they could have uh done a lot more uh integration i guess with with the car and when you look at uh the time that they've had uh to get this car rolled out i mean you would have liked to have seen like what does this car actually look like performing uh in in the summer months uh especially when the racetrack is hot and when it's slick like it's going to be you know most of these races um i mean we will have an idea of what it looks like in high grip races in the fall or nighttime racing uh, uh particularly earlier in the year where it's you know going to be cooler and you know you're going to have a lot of ton of grip ton of downforce so what they see today or what they see this week maybe might be more of an indication of what they'll see in the you know colder months, but for majority of the season, yeah, it's going to be very warm. And so it may not be the most accurate representation of uh, what they kind of racing that they're going to get uh, next year. Um, they did announce, I think today, Daytona, that they will have a fan open test, I guess, like you'll be able to uh, have a test open to the fans uh, in Daytona, like, January 11th, uh, which I think they announced that's, that's on a Tuesday. So it's a midweek test, uh, midday test. I mean, ideally I'd love to be able to take off an hour from work and go up there and watch them, uh, test, but you know, 
don't really want to do that. And, and um, would be nice if they did it like on a Friday or something, or, you know, the day that's actually good to take off or whatever, and go, go do that and see them test, of course, but um, should be interesting with uh, more people there, more, or, you know, more teams there, they're going to test if um, they can get kind of a pack going so we can see what was it look like on the uh, super speedway tracks there, of course, and uh, all these other uh, tracks that uh, they're trying to test on, of course, uh, does seem like they're doing all the testing right before the season starts. Maybe they should have done a lot more testing uh, on this level, uh, before uh, we got to this point. So we'll see what happens there. Then, you know, I think the one thing that caught my eye is the, you know, the Hemrick combination with Almendinger and Sindrick or not Sindrick, but uh, Gregson there. I mean, that's basically taking the top four minus Penske from Xfinity this year and putting them in a cup car. Um, so that's a really interesting move there just on the standing alone, how that, you know, they all finished out. So now you have top three uh, all going into one car. Uh, and so I guess that's their all-star car. And I guess, yeah, they have a lot of credibility uh, in being able to do that. And we'll see uh, how many races they run and if they can you know, put it into the uh, owner's championship there. And if they are able to um, you know, make something of that and shake up the owner's standings at least, and then maybe build up enough points to possibly go for a, a full-time ride there uh, in that uh, 16 car or that 31 car, whichever one it is, um, I mean, other stuff. Uh, I mean, we'll get into Jimmy Johnson later. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, Rockingham's re repaving as well. I don't know if you mentioned that one and adding lights, I guess, yeah, now they're trying to, as part of what they're doing with North Wilkesboro, trying to reinvest into the tracks. Uh, they kind of abandoned, uh, the NASCAR's abandoned in the last, you know, decade, 20 years, uh, 25 years. You know, with Wilkesboro and everything, and um, we'll see how how long does it take to get a a, a truck race, a, a Xfinity race at some of these tracks that they've left uh, behind, and if uh, you know they can actually uh, put it on the schedule and and you know have a return to racing. We'll see if they can you know get fans to come back and everything. So um, you know, I mean, still kind of in the uh, off season stuff, and got a little bit of interesting wrinkles, I guess, this week with sponsorship announcements and everything, and the testing. But you know, still kind of um, in that stage of the year where you know it's all kind of just like small news and nuggets, I guess, with uh, Cup and Truck Xfinity and all that. And we're gonna get more that'll come up, you know, once we come back from the new year, because uh, things are kind of condensed on the Cup side uh, more than you know Xfinity or trucks but i think in xfinity side a lot of their stuff is for the major teams is announced and it might be more for some of the smaller efforts and then trucks it usually takes until january mid-january for a lot of these things to get to go through um josh made the mention about uh, jim johnson and his announcement in there that he'll be running full-time in the uh, indycar ntt indycar series next year which is huge news. Um, you know, I didn't think, I don't think most people thought that he was going to decide he was going to go for a full season. They figured he was going to run the Indianapolis 500. But since there really isn't that much more of a difference in regards to how many races he'd run, and he probably got the sign, he got, he was able to sign off uh, with, uh, with Shandy to go and uh, run run uh, the full season so that's a big deal uh, there 
Uh, F2 drive with, yeah, so it's Carlin. So there you go. That's even, that's not bad. And Carlin ain't a bad team. They're not as good as where they used to be in regards to Logan Sargent. Uh, I'm just going through racer.com. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy Johnson will run the full year next year. Uh, four full-time cars for Ganassi. Of course, defending series champion Alex Pillow, Scott Dixon, the legend, and uh, uh, what do you call um Why am I forgetting the guy um, in the eight car? Erickson. Erickson, Marcus Erickson, thank you, uh, will be in the eight car. And then the 48 car, which will be sponsored by Carvana for all but one race next year will um, be Jimmy Johnson. Uh, there's also the news that came out today that David Malukas will, um, with an HMD, will um, move up to IndyCars full-time next year to take over the 18 car with Dale Coyne racing, um, the I guess the flagship car, um, which is his family-run team. Okay, fine. Uh, Chicago for... Runner up from Chicago. So it makes sense since uh, Dale Coyne's a Chicago, you know, he's from the Illinois, from the state of Illinois. Uh, Dale Coyne, HMD Motorsports, and it's in the Indy Lights. So Dale Coyne will have a connection there. Lucas, uh, so Kirkwood, Lungard, Callum Eilat, and Devlin DeFrancesco um, to, in regards to the rookie, rookie race. So it'll be the number 18 car. Eh, pretty simple there. And uh, it would have been cool if they went back to 19. But, of course, the 18 has kind of become the the number for Dale Coyne racing. Um, there's also the announcement that James Hinchcliffe uh, decided to call time on his full-time IndyCar career uh, in light of what likely will be a um, full-time announcing gig for nbc but i'm not saying that just because it's i know something i figure um when you consider they're doing a lot of reshuffling at nbc um i was reading news in regards to football and tafoya deciding she's gonna quit the sideline reporting i figure I mean, she was probably getting forced out anyways because she's old and you know she's one of those some of the her takes and thoughts on things outside of football are probably not the greatest. Um, and they have somebody there, and uh, Catherine Tappen, who's not he's being underutilized, so now they're going to put her in there. At the same token, here you had a guy in Paul Tracy who is not considered somebody who thinks very clearly or does things with a lot of logic and or um, is kind of an ignoramus. Uh, kind of, he is an ignoramus, and they wanted to replace him with somebody who's well-spoken, eloquent, actually knows the cars that are going on right now, and would add to a broadcast um, with Lee Diffie, and I think that's where he will be. Uh, those are the three big pieces. Of course, Jimmy, for both of us, is huge. Um, David Malukas is somebody I think that over this next year, by this time next year, we're going to be talking a lot more about him, but uh, he had a great battle with Kyle Kirkwood, and um, bringing the money uh, that he brings to the table will help the coin team, which, of course, Takuma Sato also announced that he'll be moving over there. He will be in the 51 car, the Dale Coin Rick Ware car. But 
after what Roman Grosjean did last year. It ain't your typical Rick Ware car. Uh, two-time Indy 500 champion, uh, free Honda engines for the team, so that'll be a big perk for them. A lot to look forward to, and a deep rookie class as well, Josh, uh, going into 2022 for what is probably the best racing series there is right now, um, in my opinion, based on how everything kind of lays out on the most competitive, uh, tightest, best racing series there is is the IndyCar series and we're just getting better and better more more uh, driver talent and a seven-time NASCAR champion a guy who's won championships in all different forms of motorsports one of the great racing drivers ever and Jimmy Johnson committing to a full season uh, in 2022. Yeah, I mean, for sure with Jimmy Johnson, especially with uh, the way that, you know, he's wanting to approach his IndyCar career, wanted to try the more challenging tracks first, the road course schedule. And we saw his struggles there. And uh, I mean, there were points in some of these races last year where you could see him beginning to get it in these cars and uh, having better lap times. And then once he did the oval test, once he did Texas and then Indianapolis, I think it was pretty much a given that uh, they would eventually announce uh, a deal for him to go full-time. And it's pretty much a open secret that it was going to happen. And then finally today announcing that uh, I think, you know, I'm, for me, I'm pretty excited to see what Jimmy can do on these ovals and the IndyCar. I mean, this is more natural form of racing, I guess, you know, having been 20 years in NASCAR and uh, he's certainly been a good driver at Indianapolis winning four breakout 400s uh, for Rick Hendrick. And certainly uh, would be a good uh, race for him to run in the Indianapolis 500 and you know, Tony Kanaan did a good job in the 48 car last year on the ovals and we'll see uh, what they can do uh, with Jimmy behind the wheel this time. Uh, if he's able to contend at Indy, uh, would love to see him be able to run top 10 at least to have a good qualifying lap uh, at Indy and put up uh, a lot of speed uh, in that 48 car Uh what was he going to be able to do at Texas? I mean, he's going to be the one driver that's actually experienced the uh, PJ one. Of course, it's going to handle differently. So he'll be able to kind of dissect uh, the difference between P, uh, PJ one in the stock car versus an Andy car. And maybe he might have a better understanding of how to approach the line uh, than some of the other drivers uh, in the series and um, you know, how to make the most of his car uh, with the, uh, uh, that stuff that he has to deal with with the PJ one and then gateway, uh, that's going to be interesting as well. Um, Jimmy's, uh, I mean, I think he's a pretty good short track racer, short oval racer, but, uh, gateway is a t- uh, tough, challenging track. You have one corner that's, uh, more narrower than the other turn three and turn four are flatter, um, and a little bit more narrow and then, uh, turn one, turn two, uh, have a little bit more banking in it. So, uh, should be interesting for Jimmy, uh, what he's able to do, uh, at gateway, um, but you know, full time being able to compete for the series championship, we'll see how he does on the road courses this year compared to last year. If he's able to get a massive improvement, or if he you know can go from you know finishing um, a lap down now to maybe possibly getting uh, top fifteen or and maybe the occasional top ten if the strategy works out. We'll see what happens. Um, don't think he'd actually compete for the championship, but hey, we'll, we'll see if you know he can get some good runs in and you know finish higher than what we maybe expect him to and certainly higher than what he finished uh, this year uh, in the series. So really excited to see uh, what Jimmy's going to be doing in the Indy car, you know, Hinch going to the booth. Most likely he's basically filled out the schedule to compete in IMSA, not going full-time in Indy. We'll see maybe if he decides to get in the car for uh, one race, maybe he figures out an Indy 500 ride uh, there, which would be really interesting. Um, 
but of course now he's going to booth uh what we assume to be and i think it's a very natural move for him said if he wasn't driving he'd be a broadcaster seems like a natural fit for him we saw what he was able to do in srx this year with alan Beswick, uh covering those races and did a really good job announcing there um he brought up in his background with uh dale jr download last year talking about his uh aspirations and everything he said could have been easily a racing journalist. Well, now, now here's his chance to get a bit more fresh perspective. I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody talks about PT's bad behavior and everything, but I mean, in the booth, I mean, him and um, Townsend Bell basically sounded like the same person. Uh, they both basically said a lot of the same things over and over again and um, made the same points. Um, and so there was almost like just two people saying the same things and, you know, when you need to be able to grow the fan base for any car. Um, IndyCar, like you said, is a really good series. I think it's better than in terms of racing. It's better than Formula One. It just doesn't have the uh, appeal or you know the mass appeal to it that Formula One does. And so if they begin to make the broadcast a lot better, I think um, it would attract more fans uh, that want to watch it on TV uh, and everything. And then, of course, um, for the series itself, you know, Jimmy going full time should give it more credibility uh, and maybe draw in some more more of the NASCAR fans uh, that are trying to get interested into uh, IndyCar racing next year. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. And of course, Maluka's going full time or or going to DCR again adds to the rookie class and certainly adds another depth to the series and again makes it very competitive, uh, makes the series more interesting to watch. So a lot of storylines we'll be able to see next year and you know, hopefully it uh, goes into a positive result. And you know we see the IndyCar series uh, continue to grow, continue uh, put on good racing um, overall throughout uh, 2022. Yeah, definitely a lot to unpack there, and there's a lot of time between now and St. Pete for the Indy cars. Uh, we still don't know who's going to be uh, the road course driver for Ed Carpenter Racing. There might be some other announcements in regards to drivers and teams, not only for races during the season, but also the Indianapolis 500, along with who will be on TV for NBC next year. Uh, the Roundup will uh, commence with uh, Formula 2 coverage from last week. Uh, the, uh, what's it called, Abu Dhabi uh, Formula 2. Uh, Oscar Piastri uh, won, was it there? He won, he finished in race one. Jan Deruvula for Carlin uh, won over Felipe Drogovic. And Oscar Piastri finished third for Prema. Schwartzman, Liam Lawson, the top five in race two. I'm waiting on the computer. Of course, there's issues with the computer. Uh, of course. Um, why am I having this issue? Um, I know in race three, Oscar Piestri won, uh, which isn't shocking considering he ended up being the champion, but he'll still end up being on the sidelines and being the test driver for Alpine. Juan Yuzhou and Drogovic were the top three. Pocher, Schwartzman, the top five. In race two, Guan Yuzhou won over Schwartzman and Boshong, uh, Tinktum and Drogovic, the top five. The final standings in the Formula 2 World Championship, 60.5-point uh, difference between Oscar Piastri and Robert Schwartzman. Guan Yuzhou finished third. Uh, Tictum and Pocher, your top five. You're going to the Vips, Daruvala, Drogovic, Lawson, Boshong. Who's your top ten in Formula Two for Extreme E? Um, trying to go and get that there. Extreme E. Uh, 
They've had, I don't know why there's such a delay, but uh, they're running this coming weekend on, um, at the, there was at the, I don't know, that's from last race for Jurassic X Pre, the Jurassic X Pre this coming weekend in UK and their last in the last race of season one. So that'll be cool. Running in England be kind of like the uh RAC rally of sorts, but with electric vehicles. The current standings see Molly Taylor and Johan Christofferson. Uh, leading the points by seven over Yuta Kleinschmidt and Matthias Ekstrom for Apt and uh, X44 Christina Gutierrez and Sebastian Loeb third. Um, the Ganassi team, the Hummer EV Ganassi team of Sarah Price and Kyla Duke are fifth, uh, 13 points behind going into the um, Jurassic X Prix. And then uh, sports car news, there's a bunch of stuff. Going on, uh, Richard Westbrook, uh, longtime prototype GT guy uh, from England, will join Tristan Vautier at uh, JDC Miller Motorsports in the number five Mustang sampling car. Uh, Loic Duval will run all the Enduros. And then Ben Keating uh, will run as a Ford driver at Daytona, trying to get that elusive Rolex watch. Juan Pablo Montoya has announced that he will run. Uh, for the uh what's it where am i looking he'll be running for dragons yeah helton julian's team uh he ran lamar uh his and uh but now th- this coming year he'll run in imsa with hendrick or henrik hedman in the uh, lmp2 category and then he will in the other piece is that sebastian his son 16 year old son will be in one of the cars for daytona which would be cool to see. Um, there's uh, other ways I think. And then um, there's a new LMP3 team that's going to be coming in and racing um, with uh, former Viper driver Kuno Whitmer, based out of Canada, so it makes sense. Kuno Whitmer, and then they'll have Lars Kern and Matt Bell, Lars Kern, full season, and uh, Matt Bell for the Rolex 24. I'm trying to see what else is going on. IMSA. And then what is it? Will Stevens will join uh, Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, Alexander Rossi in the Konica Minolta Acura. <laughs> Stevens. And then Rossi will only race Daytona. Okay, so Rossi's only on the Rolex. Okay. So Will Stevens will be a part of the uh, full or for the Enduros, former Formula E driver. And uh, that's a winning car. It's a car that seems to win all the time at Daytona. So at least we'll see if they're able to con- continue that. Trying to see what else is there. Um, nothing else for now for the roundup. So we'll uh, allow Josh to go and uh, rant about his uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and what's wrong with them and what's wrong with their coach. Yeah, of course. Well, this is what I've been wanting to talk about. I need to get this out because, you know, it's just frustrating to watch this happen. Um, I mean, it's actually hilarious, but at the same time, when you think about it, it's like, this isn't what uh, we wanted. This isn't what um, we wanted to see. Uh, We brought in Urban Meyer to bring the team from the 
the gutter and yet he's dug us further into the gutter. Uh, he's hurting Trevor Lawrence's growth and everything. And just, it's not working out. Uh, I mean, they lost 20 to zero to Tennessee on Sunday at Tennessee. It doesn't even really matter. Offense was mostly terrible uh, for the most part. Um, defense was okay, but you know, they um, still lost and everything. But the bigger part is Urban Meyer continuing to undermine the team. Of course, we knew earlier this year, uh, went to a bar uh, when he should have flown home with the team. Not really the issue that he went to a bar, even though he was with someone other than his wife, but really that he uh, left the team after they lost and did not fly home with the team uh, when they lost and and um, didn't do any debrief or anything with the team after they did that. But then now this year, or now uh, this weekend, reports come out, Urban Meyer um, undermining the team, calling coaches losers or calling them, uh, yeah, calling them losers and then uh, saying he's a winner and then uh, demanding that they uh, defend their resumes as a coach and where they have won in their careers. Uh, very ridiculous. Apparently the uh, wide receiver, veteran wide receiver, Marvin Jones had an argument with him and, and then he walked out of the building and then had to walk. They, they had to convince him to come back to practice. And then they uh, had a heated argument. Uh, Meyer and Jones both kind of denied that and said it was uh, they handled it like adults and everything. But I questioned that uh, and I'll get into why I questioned that in a minute. Um, other things like uh, that he ordered the uh, benching of James Robinson after he had said that he didn't know why he was not in the game in the first place uh, after the Los Angeles Rams game. Now it's uh, seeming like, well, now he ordered the um, benching of uh, Robinson where he was out of the game for like 20 plays until the third quarter after fumbling the ball uh, in the first quarter for the Jags and everything. So a lot of mess and everything. Probably didn't say everything that happened in the report from Tom Pelissaro, NFL.com. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, they, they played like they were distracted, like uh, they uh, didn't like the coach and everything. They don't respect the coach. And it's very clear that they players don't respect the coach. Um, so now there's a report today coming out that he kicked uh, Josh Lambeau in the shin or in the leg, whatever, while Lambeau is doing a lunge uh, stretch. Uh pregame in preseason, by the way, uh, for, uh, the Jags, uh, the last preseason game against, uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, kicked him in the, the leg and said, uh, dipshit, you know, make your fucking kicks stay or something like that. And, you know, I mean, you say make your fucking kicks or whatever the kicker, but he can't actually touch him like that. Um, other than, you know, pat on the back or whatever arm around the shoulder, but you no, know, he goes and kicks him. And I mean, I feel like that's probably cause, uh, you know, they've been, I, there's been, you know, rumors about Jags trying to fire Urban Meyer for cause. And I think, um, it's, um, I think that's the out there. I mean, you can't do that. They've got to investigate that, whatever. It's, uh, it's just embarrassing to, to watch. I mean, frustrating and everything. I mean, I didn't think I'd get mad at the Jaguars this year. Cause I had sort of low expectations for the year, but I mean, I guess maybe I was naive to Urban Meyer, uh, his, um, coaching experience outside of winning because it seems like a guy's just a toxic personality and everything. I mean, the way that this is playing out, you know, on social media, all these breaking stories of, of uh, tension in the building and everything, the way that just seems like all these reports are dropping and everything I mean, almost feels like we're back in the president Trump era uh, where reports and everything coming out of disarray in the white house and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's the only way I'm going to make a comparison there. I mean, I think some of that was overstated, but uh, this here, how it's playing out. I mean, looks like everything that the reporters are saying is accurate and everything. And I can tell because uh, the, it seems like the report, like urban denies it, but then 
they go out and report back like, oh, no, this is what happened and everything. So uh, after what initially happened and yeah, it's not looking good for him. I mean, Shad's got to got to let him go. I don't really uh, understand I me. Mean, this has to be it. Uh, what they do because like when Tom Coughlin got fired when when he got fired from the Jags in 2019 they said the report the NFLPA came out and had a report and it was said you know they abuse of uh, the players by the front office finding them for petty things and all that stuff and then within hours of the report uh, Tom Coughlin got dismissed by the uh, Jags shot con but I was saying it then like within maybe two or three hours of that report and and this report came out today about uh, you're listening to the podcast we're recording it's 10 24 right now and uh, i think that report saw it around uh with uh, josh lambo came out around 5 30 and yet to hear anything from the owner and had just talked to the media on monday and had said yeah like uh kind of left it open-ended i haven't really read into the report delved into it that much but you know it's yeah kind of acknowledged that they're losing now and now everybody's paying attention and almost like yeah stop leaking these true reports okay that's that's exactly what sean would, uh, would say or something like that and you know it's um just a mess of what it is. I mean, the owner has to do something now. I, I think tomorrow I got to see like, you know, either fire this guy or, you know, maybe the players all stand up and either defend it and say, defend the coach and say all the reports are a lie or they don't say anything. Then yeah, it's pretty much true that confirming the truth of uh, the, uh, the player, Josh Lambeau being uh, physically uh, bullied or whatever by uh, coach Urban Meyer. And yeah, I said earlier in the show, like or early in this rant, like, yeah, why, why did I believe um, the Report, I guess, today is because, well, now Lambo is going out, uh, said it in the report, Tampa Bay Times. Now he's going on First Coast News in Jacksonville saying uh, what the uh, story is behind that. Um, and there has been, you know, issues of tension and everything and all that stuff. So it's just, um, you know, sad to watch. And, you know, they, I mean, Jaguars already been bad. 10 last 11 seasons all had at least 10 losses losing and everything. And just, you know, it's bad overall. But, you know, when you, already bad and then you go out and get this guy and then says he's gonna make it all better then makes it all even worse than it was last year i mean i don't you know can't can't go beyond this year i mean um just let them lose i mean why can't we lose in peace like just let us lose no none of this drama like why do we have to have this this is on totally unnecessary it just shows like if you had you know you can't focus on football you know trevor said today you can't focus on winning if you have all this negative drama around you and everything and uh takes toll on the players um regardless if it's true or not. And I mean, it has to be true to some degree. And I've heard that, you know, there's a Twitter space on Sunday uh, that one of the fans created and like about 500 people got in, just voiced their frustration, listened to it. And he said like, yeah, the uh, Schefter, cause this guy knows like sources in the building, like Schefter, all the NFL reporters, all that they've, they've got, they've got uh, the dirt. They're just waiting to release it. And this is, this is the first drop of this come for a player, Josh Lambeau. So uh, just, you know, terrible to see we'll see what it is on sunday yeah i did buy the trevor lawrence uh hair piece i guess on amazon bought a fake mustache so you will be seeing the uh hair piece on that on sunday with the uh um gardner Minshew mustache and uh i'll be having my old blake Bortles jersey that i got in 2014 and then i know you said last week you know got to figure out a way to work in mark Brunell. well i am left-handed and you know, fairly mobile so there's the the mark Brunell. uh Myself. There you go. Yeah. So, Offensive coordinator yeah. for the Detroit Lions. He's the best yeah. quarterback they have, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, no, I think, well, Leftwich is the uh, offensive coordinator for the Bucks. I don't know who the offensive coordinator is for the rant or for the uh, Detroit Lions, but you know, he is, of the fact, Brunel is the, or at least he's a quarterback coach. I don't know. I think he's I the offensive he's, coordinator for the so Lions. So I thought Brunel was a 
a coach, a high school coach in Jacksonville. That was my understanding. No, he's 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 in Detroit now with right. Motor City. I have to Dan look Campbell, at this, but I'm looking this up. We'll now. give you the time there. I mean, another great rant by oh, uh, Josh. Yeah, you're because right. Of, yeah, because of um, how bad the Jacksonville Jaguars are. The greatest quarterback in their franchise history is the best quarterback in the Detroit Lions. Our room as well uh, because Jared Goff sucks. And, yeah, so, um, yeah, go yeah, ahead. so yeah, no, it's fine. But yeah, so he is the quarterbacks coach for the Detroit Lions. Okay, so I did not know that. No, I learned something today there. Yeah, so there's that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just embarrassing to watch. I mean, Shad and like do something already, like you know, fire this guy and get rid of him. Um, we don't want him. Um, I mean, it's funny because Shad beginning is like, oh, I got this one right, and now look what you got. I mean, you look like a clown. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe he's just waiting. I think he was going to wait till the end of the year, but now that this report has come out, I really am uh, wondering if they're even going to make it to Sunday. Like they're going to install Charlie Strong or Daryl Bevel or somebody uh, on the team, uh, somebody else beside Meyer to lead the team for the last four games. Because um, this continues, I mean, they're going to lose to Houston again. Um, I don't see they could beat the Jets. They could maybe not beat the Jets. Definitely going to lose to the Patriots, and then definitely get creamed by uh the Colts at home because they are probably gonna need to win that game to make it into the playoffs um uh for this year. So I think they're one of the wild card teams or something like that. So just a lot of dysfunction, uh tension at you know self-inflicted. Um, you know, all you had to do is own it. You know, put they painted it on the walls, own it and Erd Meyer has not owned it. And uh, it's just insane and whatever. I mean, um can't really find anything else to say, but it's just, you know, it's not acceptable for a professional organization, but you know, shot con this on you. So do what you need to do. And actually may actually be in the building. Cause he's an absentee owner. He's only there like, I don't know, once a month or I don't know how many times he's there per year per week. But I mean, it's clear to me that he's not in the building enough to actually know what's going on. I mean, yeah, he's a rich guy. He's running businesses and stuff. And I, I mean, live in Jacksonville, don't live in St. Louis. I mean, I don't know why you're there. Live in Jacksonville, you own the freaking team and everything, your yachts there. So live there and, you know, be present and figure out what you need uh, to run the football team and actually um, have your imprint. Cause you know, that's what successful owners in the league, they have their imprint on the team. They leave their mark on what they want the team to be and everything. And you know, then you talk about four seasons, putting a four seasons in a hotel in Jacksonville. And he's like, uh, I'll figure out how to way to do it. And yeah, just siphon taxpayer money. I mean, forget that. Just figure out how to make a good football franchise that, you know, is credible and brings um, positive news through winning uh, to the city and then the rest will follow. So, um, you know, that's all I got to say about that. So uh, we'll see on Sunday. Uh, It'll be entertaining, but, you know, probably expecting a loss to the Houston Texans again because Trevor Lawrence, as good as he is, can't do it because he's still a rookie and everything else around him is really bad. And the fact that uh, Urban Meyer is allergic to giving the ball to James Robinson, who probably is your best offensive player um, at this point because Trevor Lawrence uh, is struggling, but it isn't really as much about him. I think the play calling is atrocious. You're not giving him what he needs. And the guy can make all the throws. You have all these nondescript wide receivers and guys who've gotten from whatever you tight end, all yeah. this the offensive in the line is meh, you know? So James Robinson ran for a thousand plus last year. 
literally build your offense off of that. The Baltimore Ravens run basically an option offense. The New Orleans Saints are running an option offense. You got other teams in this league. New England has 76 running backs, and they have a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, and they're on in line as of right now to possibly not only win a division, but be the number one seed. Uh, yeah. But then that's Bill Belichick, that there's a difference between being – one of the greatest coaches ever, and being an arrogant prick who could do it in college, but definitely is not ready for prime time in the NFL. Um, it's kind of sad, really. You're wasting the talent of both Trevor Lawrence and James Robinson. Um, I think it's also slipping over to the defense because Josh Allen's starting to fall off and not be a factor in games. Yeah, too. well, they changed their scheme there for defense because they want to feature the Tyson Campbell pick second round in the draft uh, a little bit more. And uh, they changed, I think they were like, they went man defense uh, earlier in the year. And I think they, they started to get better at that, but I think they, they wanted to get him cause he's not really good at man. And I think he's better at zone and they uh, put him in uh cover two coverage instead of a uh, zone coverage instead of um, man. And it's affected their ability to stop the run a little bit. Uh, than what they had when they had that Bills game. Of course, the Bills lost because they don't run the ball and they yeah. just choose not to. So um, yeah. that was kind of an anomaly there. But I mean, he's still a good pass rusher. Just um, you have to get away, I mean, to scheme him into there. And then the other thing is from that game, I forgot that the there was a clip where the wide receivers literally ran into each other uh, on a route. Uh, combination they like somebody ran the brown route or something and both ran into each other and then trevor threw it in that area and then it just you know went onto the ground uh which you know of course good no no interception there but um uh the ball being thrown uh or not going to the other team there but um they ran into each other and jimmy smith quote tweeted that gif of that clip or whatever and it's like yeah this is on the wide receiver coaches this is bad coaching and it is yeah and it's something that Unfortunately for Jacksonville, it's been way too often uh, bad coaching and bad leadership. But tre- but Urban Meyer is a whole different level. And because of his arrogance and whatever, he'll probably get hired back by Fox if he got fired uh, to work some of these bowl games they'll have or if they have any bowl games. And he'll go and sit there until a job comes up. Because, of course, there are, I don't even remember if there are any more jobs. I mean, he ain't going to take anything this year, but um, he'll probably want a job somewhere. I think he kind of wished he was available for the USC job. He would have probably taken that instead of Lincoln Riley or Oklahoma because he would have looked like some sort of hero there. But either way, he's a dick. Uh, Niner side uh, looking a lot better here in recent weeks with um the way they've been playing uh and their um whatchamacall their uh win at uh cincinnati in a game where it looked like it might go the wrong way but they were able to stand up and stand and get through jimmy garoppolo i think was one of the leading passers last week in terms of total yards joe burrow was destroying our zone defense uh, passing everybody and anybody. Jamar Chase was beating and burning Josh Norman on the regular, whoever else. But the the Niners' defense is the epitome of the bend but don't break. Nick Bosa was able to get a couple hits on Joe Burrow, which helped sack him. Uh, the offense, George Kittle, um, he's he's not he's subhuman. I don't I don't know how to describe him. Uh, he's literally the heart and soul of this organization. Um, 
He makes catches that very few people can make. He sells out in a way very few people would. Uh, Debo wasn't a huge factor in this game. Yes, he scored a touchdown. Ayuk was a huge factor, which is great, which means the three, the React team, um, you know, uh, they, they're they the ones that are determining this whole deal. And if you could get Elijah Mitchell back this weekend or soon, I mean, it's a trap game against Atlanta, which it was two years ago when they lost at in Santa Clara. And I think that was the last loss the Niners had until the Super Bowl. So hopefully they don't need to lose in this spot. I think they can win this game. This offense right now is in a really good place, even though Jimmy is limited. Defense, we have injuries. I mean, injuries everywhere, but they're playing well. They're in the wild card race. The LA Rams win on Monday night, keeps them in the division, albeit very minimally. Uh, need to win two out of the last four. Def in three will definitely get us in if we win three out of the last four. Uh, one of them is against Houston. We have this week against Atlanta, the LA Rams. I'm trying to remember who the other team is, but the Niners are in the mix to possibly make the uh, the playoffs, which would be only the, the second second appearance for the. Um, Shanahan, Lynch team, uh, the other ones, the Titans. There you go. So they'll play uh, the Atlanta Falcons this weekend at home on Sunday afternoon, and then they'll have a Thursday night game in uh, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium where they ran around for the IndyCar series uh, for a Thursday night game against the Titans, who are in contention in the uh, AFC. So big battle there. Then they'll have uh, what's it called? Twenty third. They'll have over a week. I mean, they'll have ten days to prepare for the Titans, which will be their last home game, and they'll go on the road on the ninth, uh, January 9th, which will be week eighteen, to play the Rams in Inglewood to end the season, which as of now, I, if things kind of keep on going where they're going, I feel like that's going to be flexed into Sunday night football. So Falcons, Titans, Texans, Rams, Titans and Texans, two teams Josh uh, is very familiar with. Uh, the Titans game without Derrick Henry, without A.J. Brown, it looks a lot different than what it would have been if they were at full strength. Um, Titans have not been doing great recently, but they're a tough team. Mike Vrabel's one of the better coaches in the league. They're going to be tough to beat, but that's going to be an interesting game on Thursday Night Football for sure. Here coming up next week, we'll talk about it on the GSP for sure. Now, in terms of fantasy, um, uh, football uh, fall brawl league josh you uh, ended up finishing third uh, in the regular season so you get the third seed here and get the get a chance to play joey who the defending league winner who you played i think last year in the final um in this league uh, joe has had a lot of uh, he's had a lot of bad luck uh to where he had to beat Luke, who finished third last year, to go and basically back into the playoff, and he did, but he'll be facing you, uh, one of the best teams in the league, uh, versus trying to get redemption against Joe and then move on to what would more than likely be a matchup against Wilson, unless weird shit happened. I think that's, yeah, you'd probably be playing Wilson 
more than likely. Um, in my case, we played last week uh, against each other, and I was able to eke out a win, get a high point, so I'm free rolling in the league, which is nice, um, considering how much money uh, had to spend and whatever to not in real money to go like acquire, but it's like the amount of money that exists in um, you know. So there's that. I'm trying to bring up. Uh, my um, bring up the fantasy football league if you want to go and kind of talk about what you're looking at for your matchup here this week and what your other teams are going to do yeah i mean for this matchup here i mean i think starting out like i mean you beat me pretty good this week but uh, or this past week but i think a lot of that was because uh lamar jackson got injured on yep. sunday and left the game early in the you know, first quarter so uh, we'll see what John Harbaugh says uh, later in the week and if he's able to come out and play. Uh, so, so far, it looks like he might, but he's questionable right now. Um, got an ankle injury, sprained ankle. So it's a tough injury for a quarterback, especially uh, one that's mobile like uh, Lamar Jackson or relies on his mobile um, mobility and everything. So it's going to be a tough. Um, uh, I mean, I've got Cam Newton on the bench, but I might have to pick up somebody else if uh, uh, Lamar can't go because you know, Cam hasn't played all that well uh, since he's returned. He's only had like one good game, I think, uh, as a uh, fantasy quarterback. But um, uh, yeah, I picked up George Kittle. Um, might swap him into the starting lineup for David Montgomery. You know, uh, hasn't had quite the output that I've wanted with uh, going three uh, running backs on my team. So might have to make that change. But uh, I think uh, Debo's uh, done pretty good. Uh, so far this year, Devonte Adams had a pretty big game on Sunday uh, against the Bears and that matchup on Sunday Night Football. So you know we'll see what happens. Um, uh, yeah, facing Joe uh, first of two, you know, two weeks. Of, yeah, is it? I'm kind of misremembering. Three weeks. Schedule. If so, if we get all the way to the end, it'll be three weeks. Okay, so yeah, this is the, okay. I guess you'd say yeah, this is the quarterfinal. Yeah, so uh, we'll. Uh, and playing Joe played him last year. Uh, yeah, he had bad luck and yeah, he, um, projected to win right now, 210 over 195. We'll see if it happens, but should be a good matchup. But um, already did beat him this year, so uh, hopefully, you know, remains the same. And you know, you're, you're playing Manny this week, so uh, should be an easy matchup uh, for you, I feel like. And then uh, next week, uh, we'll be going against, I'll probably be playing, uh, uh, Vic again, I think, uh, and then you'll you'll play um, Wilson, I think, if, if I'm correct in this, and then uh, we'll see what happens. Because uh, Vic's had a pretty good team this year; he's been pretty tough to beat. Um, ten wins in a row. Yeah. yeah, he went ten in a row and made all those crazy trades and everything to do it. So uh, hundred we'll plus moves. Yeah, it's it tells insane. you what happened. It tells you what happens when you get married. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're gonna have a tough matchup against Joey. Uh, my matchup against Manny, a guy works for CBS Sports and he's an accountant, and all that, and he helps with all the accounts with CBS Sports and Pittsburgh diehard. Uh, somebody who he knows football, but he's not like a quote unquote fantasy player, but he's able to get around that in a sense. He's won this league before, so he knows enough to win this league. Uh, it's been competitive. Uh, he has some good players. I mean, he has Dalvin Cook playing on Monday night. 
he has a pretty deep team, to be fair. Uh, it's going to be hard to uh, battle him, but, you know, made some moves, put myself in a place where I can actually battle and uh, get through one five weeks of the regular season in the league. So I'm free rolling and whatever the case may be, I would definitely like to win the vast majority, the lion's share of the money and not have to worry about having to ship the belt and the ring to anybody. But that's something to be determined. Uh, we'll see what happens. You never know with the fantasy football. I mean, my other team, I had a pretty good team. I had Christian McCaffrey on that team. That started the roll downward to where now I'm out of the playoffs there and the other, whatever, the sleeper league, the um, keeper deal ended up getting eliminated. But we made something of the season after where we started. Uh, but all my eggs are basically in this basket in regards to what will happen. Uh, I think if both Josh and I win, I'd end up playing Vic and Josh would play Wilson. If uh, Josh were to lose to Joe, then I would end up playing Wilson. Uh, but that'll be something to see later, um, trying to go and make the most of this situation, possibly go and get a W uh, and move myself on into the next round of the playoffs. Um, with that, Josh, uh, you can tell us what's going on uh, in regards to you and the Sims, who you're racing, what you're racing, what you're looking to do here uh, here in the next few weeks as things kind of slow down in the racing calendar. Yeah, I mean, first of all, going just to go back to fantasy real quick, my other team, uh, I got eliminated uh, from the playoffs uh, going into the you know uh, playoff seating. I uh, lost the last game, uh, which I needed to win to get in. I was in first place, and I lost on a tiebreaker to somebody else because uh, they scored like 200 more points than me. Um, but, you know, it's fine and everything. I mean, it was a 13-team league, and there's only four playoff spots. I uh, feel like maybe they could have made it bigger, but you know, it's whatever. Just focus on this league, the one that I actually paid to uh, – uh, be in and everything, just focus on that and go for, go for the money, go for the belt and everything. So, uh, we'll see how, what happens there. Um, but now going on to iRacing, um, yeah, this week been doing, uh, IndyCar, the fixed oval series, Michigan, uh, international speedway, the, uh, the newest one, not the old, uh, uh, unrepaved that this one now the repaved one since 2012 uh, it's got a lot of grip and everything uh, um, the high line isn't as effective but it, it does work especially when you you get up into a pack it's basically like watching pack racing um you know it's basically 1998 us 500 on steroids and everything and um you got a lot of drafting up front and if you use uh, the lineup top you can make up a lot of time so i was able to do on monday um and get up into the top five uh but once you actually need to go up and pass make a pass for your lead you got to start using the the bottom or the middle um because uh the top is good like when cars get up uh, bunched up together and you have nowhere to go and you don't want to get into that dirty air get that um, you know, turbulent air on, on your nose, on your front wing, uh, all the clean air is up top. And then once you start up, get up to the lead, you know, you need more pace and everything you gotta start using the bottom. And that was something I had to learn about, uh, ended up fishing forth and that one kind of, um, uh, ended under caution. So wasn't able to make a last lap move or anything, uh, or set up the move for the last step to win, but, uh, it's pretty interesting. I've tried two attempts at that, but got taken out early on. Uh, for issues or whatever, but, you know, probably race a few more times of that one throughout the week and 
uh, try that. Um, the Formula One car got released. Uh, haven't had a chance to try it out yet. Uh, need to take some time and uh, try out that car. Should be real fun to drive, um, uh, especially like around some tracks like Silverstone, uh, Watkins Glen, uh, what else? Um, Suzuka, uh, uh, Daytona, the road course, Daytona, um, Indianapolis road course, all these good road courses uh, that uh, natural road courses that iRacing has. Uh, online spa so got to try it on in there and uh, everything will try to if i get the car and feel comfortable enough probably try to stream it and everything um maybe some of the other road courses the mazda uh mx5 car uh always good i mean it's a basic car in i racing for road racing but it's so fun to drive uh you know really just slide the car around in the corners and uh everything and, and um really put it through a lot without um needing to you know take care of the car. Uh, so, uh, definitely try that. Uh, Xfinity also is at Michigan. Uh, so, um, we'll probably be trying to run that, uh, series. And, uh, again, kind of using the top, um, using the middle, uh, with that, that car, it's especially fun. The Xfinity car is low downforce as well. So it's real fun, you know, being able to just drive it up and deep into the corner and then lift about mid center and then catch the car back, uh, you know, in the middle of the corner and then, you know, get a good drive off on turn three, turn four and, um, or, you know, off of, off of four and off of two at Michigan. So, um, that's basically what I'm doing, uh, this week in iRacing, you know, and of course watch all the iRacing content or any other content that I decide to put on gaming with, uh, uh, Twitch TV slash UCLA two, uh, and go and watch there, uh, try to get the link out shared and everything. And, you know, let you know when you can watch, uh, and can see me drive and everything and, you know, Hopefully it's a good result and, you know, we can uh, have fun with it and all that stuff, uh, of course. And then social media, I mean, go ahead and just start the close and everything. The social media, of course, follow Twitter at JP Huffine. And so we'll be tweeting all the Jags, hot takes, all the retweets and uh, sharing all the Jags news, all the racing news and everything uh, with uh, what we uh, see uh, this Sunday and um, all the chaos and everything that's gone on. Uh, this 2021 Jack season and, you know, any other stuff that I'm interested in. So, you know, it's where you can go uh, subscribe and follow uh, me on social media and streaming. Yeah, absolutely. Follow Josh in regards to his racing. As I would say on the show, I mean, he's really good, great race craft, great uh, ability with the strategy to go and do what he needs to do to go and win and compete and the level, you know, with the guys that you have to race against in I racing in general. Uh, for me, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, we have the Gripster podcast is on Podbean. So philipgmatthew.com uh, is my blog site uh, where the show uh, is able to appear along with um, other stuff in regards to the shows being posted. I'm trying to bring that up right there, right there, right there. Um We'll go to Twitter and I'm at philipgmatthew.com on Twitter, but I'm also the show, the Grip Strip Podcast is on Twitter as well. So at Grip Strip Pod, um, trying to go through that, do that, and get out of that, trying to go and go through there, trying to find this thing. But um, on Twitter, you can find our show. At Grip Strip Pod, uh, we are on. Um, trying to go and see right here. Profile. We're on the Grip Strip Podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, 
Podbean, Pandora. Those are all the places you can find the Grifter Podcast. Basically, if it goes fast and you're able to um, tune into radio, you'll be able to find, or some sort of application, you'll be able to find the Grifter Podcast. So um, with that, we'll be back next uh, episode to go and discuss, I think, IndyCar and Formula One and any other open wheel series that we gave any real credence to. We'll go and get into that in episode 92. And um, we thank you for listening to the Grifter Podcast. Thanks, Josh, as always, for being my sidekick and right-hand man. And hopefully Jackson will have some good news for you here in the next few days so that you don't have to deal with um, an absolute egomaniac as your coach. You deal with somebody you actually can coach. Um, But that... And I'm Phil. That's Josh. Hope you all have a great day. Take care of each other. Stay safe during this holiday season. Um, And goodbye.